Welcome to Millennials Talk, your weekly DNM with millennials who are changing the world. One slice of smashed apple on toast at a time. Hey everyone, and welcome to the very, very, very first episode of the Millennials Talk podcast. I'm so freaking excited. My name's Anita Katie. Nice to meet you to the one or five or ten of you or just my mom. Hi mom. And this podcast is all about shining light on inspiring millennials who are just breaking barriers and stereotypes and just owning the world, which is really cool because I'm so sick of people being like, oh, millennials, they can't even buy houses because they just go out for brunch every weekend and buy smash dabble on toast. Yeah, some of us do, but some of us also still buy houses. So I don't think it's fine to group people into just these negative sort of groups oh they're lazy they're ungrateful they just go on social media they just complain how hard everything is and this podcast by the way is not a negative flip like see told you we're not like that we're not lazy it's bringing positivity into the world because I think that's what the world needs right now some inspiring stories and inspirational people so if you don't know millennials are born between 1981 and 1996 so in 2019 these are the people that turn 23 to 38 and I think that's a big misconception to begin with is who a millennial is people just think oh young people millennials they're just like grouped in no it's an actual there's actual dates and people that are like 19 20 or even 22 like Kylie Jenner I've seen articles all the time like um she's a millennial that's this I'm like she's not a millennial guy she's turned 22 millennials are 23 and up and They're also like, I'm not saying 40 is old by any means, because 40 is actually really young. But people don't realize that millennials are nearly 40. They're like up to 38 in 2019. Um, I myself, I'm on the tail end of a millennial. I'm born in 1994, 94 baby. And but I just feel very much in the thick of it. And it's probably because people have just assumed young people are millennials. So that's how it is. You know, we're relatively young, like whether you're on 23 or you're 38, we're still young. We have a lot to say. We have so much to teach and we have so much change that needs to be made and change that we are making because we are the current generation and the future generation all at once. So I think that's really cool. And honestly, if we didn't buy smashed Avalon toast, then who the fuck would? Yeah. (laughs) So each week I'm going to be joined by some of the most influential millennials from all walks of life, like from the media, like journalists, PR, influencers, environmentalists. I want people that focus on finance because that's like a boring topic. I want to make that fun. And that's something that we don't even teach in school. I can't talk from everyone. I'm from Australia, but that wasn't taught. I wasn't told how to do my taxes. I was told Pythagoras theorem. And while I actually do remember that because I just feel like a gun when I can do C squared equals A B. Well, no, I can't do it. C squared equals B squared minus. Oh, if I had it on paper, I'd do it. I swear. But anyway, my point is all different walks of life, like fitness. I want to talk about mental health. I want to talk about physical health, nutrition, like everything that there is to talk about. We're going to talk about it right here. And I want to talk to these millennials about what exactly it took to get them where they are today 
and because there's like a lot of stories behind the scenes and I feel like there's a lot of unconventional parts especially in today's day and age you don't necessarily have to climb the corporate ladder to get to where you want to be or get to the top so I think it'll be really important and cool to talk to these people about how they did what they did so this podcast zero number zero is all about me which sounds so incredibly vain and it probably is because what I'm going to tell you I have to be honest this is the third time I'm recording this podcast not that the footage went missing or anything corrupted happened I just talked about myself for way too long. The first one was like an hour. The next one was like 50 minutes. I was like, yeah, it's about me, but it shouldn't be that much about me. Like, I'm not saying I'm going to do it in 12 minutes, but let's, you know, let's aim for about 30, 35 minutes. I've got a timer on this time. But anyway, so I'm Australian. As you may or may not know, I live right now in LA, which is pretty cool. Um, I've loved it. I've lived here for about a year and a half. I live in a studio apartment. I'm sitting in bed right now recording this and I'm unsure if I should have two pillows behind my back right now or one. This is the things that I deal with. Um, I've, rec- I've actually recorded a few episodes of this podcast already and I thought it would be a real fun way to break the ice and just get people talking about star signs. And obviously not everyone's into it, but I'm kind of really kiki. Kiki, that's not a word, but what's the word? Like kooky, kooky. I feel really kooky about it lately and I'm really into them. Um, So I thought I would explain my star sign right now so I don't have to go into it every other time and, you know, take away these inspiring people's times by saying, so I'm a Capricorn, (laughs) but I am. So I am a Capricorn, but I'm also an Aquarius. I'm actually on the cusp. I'm born on the 20th of January, 1994. If you want to send me a birthday present because it's coming up. Yay. And yeah, I believe in all that sort of kooky stuff. And I think it comes from my grandma. She's not necessarily into star science per se, but she's so, so, so superstitious. And I don't know if that comes from her mom or her grandma, but I know it goes a few generations back. And things like the moon, for instance, I actually have a moon tattoo on my wrist, my right wrist and I don't even know. Can you consider it a wrist when it's like, you know, it's, is it a forearm? It's like on the forearm of the wrist, but that's where it is. And her thing is, if there's no moon in, in the sky, you might as well just stay at home and lie in bed all day. I'm joking. She's not. She goes out. She's more social than anyone I've ever met in my life. But her understanding is that you don't buy things for yourself, like big items. Like obviously, if you got to do groceries, go do your groceries. But you shouldn't buy like I wouldn't buy like a TV or a new laptop or something um, when there's no moon in the sky. Heaven forbid, I, if I can avoid it, do not catch an airplane. It's funny because whenever I would go to book flights or my mom would go book flights and we go to the travel agent um they'd be like oh so what about this what what about this date and we'd be like hang on and we both pull out our phones and we like have to look at our apps and the moon calendar I literally pay a subscription for this moon calendar to be up to date and you know I know what you're thinking maybe you're not thinking but scientifically there's only like a split millisecond of a second or something ridiculous where there's no moon in the sky every month but for her, you need like a good two, three day leeway, either way, barrier, um, just in case, just to be like, I'm not that crazy, but you know, it's, but it's like really cool. And I'm really, I think that's, yeah, I think it's really cool. So I have a moon tattoo because it reminds me of her. And because now I always have a moon, no matter if there's a moon in the sky or not, there's a moon on me. So back to my star sign. Aquarius Capricorn I believe in them I'm on the cusp but I truly feel like I'm more Capricorn than Aquarius but I also love that I have two sort of 
qualities, I guess, in me. So briefly, Capricorn, they're the element of the earth, and that's the same as a Taurus and a Virgo, so they get along with these people really well. Practical, self-reliant, stoic, and ambitious people. I want to go into ambitions, sorry, ambitious. I will touch on this more, but pretty much they're workaholics, a lot of them, and they don't know when to slow down. I have chronic fatigue syndrome. It's like, it's not even a joke. Like I'm not even laughing. I'm kind of laughing and it's just, it's just ironic. Yeah. I'm going to, I'll tell you why and how I got it. Obviously I don't need to tell you about the horrible, awful date I went on to get it in the first place. I'm sure that will come in a later episode. And, but I didn't get it from my mom. I didn't get chronic fatigue from my mom. It's not contagious or anything like that, but I got the ambitious, hardworking side from my mom. She's so hardworking, always onto a new project. She's always like she's never not working but still finds time to balance it it's like crazy she's just finished writing a book I think we should interview her but she's not a millennial so I don't know how that will work but you know it'll be fun to have my mom on and like right now she's on this like weekend retreat learning something else I don't even know what it is but you know she's one of those people and Capricorns though very focused when they have a goal they don't take no for an answer a little bit stubborn in a way but you know just just they just know what they want and I like there's actually a meme out there and it's like Capricorns refusing to admit when they are working themselves into the ground it's very true can be very persistent that's the whole stubborn sort of quality of life don't take no for an answer and don't get me wrong I'm again this is very general and I'm not putting anyone down because there are incredibly smart Capricorns out there but speaking for myself not the smartest I'm not the dumbest like in school I just didn't really care I cared about sport and things um average I wasn't the smartest I wasn't the dumbest I was pretty whatever but they work damn hard and they're very organized so you know it makes up for it and you know that's how they succeed can be a little bit too realistic and a little bit pessimistic I don't feel like I'm I I feel like I'm pretty optimistic and I feel like that's the Aquarius in me super sincere but don't fuck with us we'll hold everything and anything against you forever we'll remember it all and just because I've just put down Capricorns and I didn't mean to let me just tell you some Capricorns that are like the most inspiring people in the world you've got Michelle Obama Bradley Cooper Liam Hemsworth Dolly Parton and Kate Middleton just to name a few so these are some good women and men to be around Aquarius element of the air analytical objective clever can be a little chilly and standoffish sometimes and they don't have feelings and that's me I don't I, I, it's not that I don't have feelings I just really struggle to express my feelings and understand my feelings like when I was leaving people were like are you happy are you sad are you scared I was just I wasn't even numb like because that's that's a feeling I was just like it's just another day like it just it just things just feel like whatever to me and it's it's funny because only recently have I learned that I actually don't know how I feel till I write it down and I start journaling or something and then I'm like oh so you're sad it's it sounds stupid I'm working on it I'm working on it innovative that's the creative side of me I feel um easygoing really chill can be sweet but psycho can't we all and some incredible women that are also fellow Aquarius Aquarians it's probably an Aquarians Ellen DeGeneres, Oprah Winfrey, Shakira, that's fun, and Jennifer Aniston. So these are pretty cool people. So 
I thought I'd talk to you also about, I would mention three important life-changing things about me and that, again, I'll be talking about them in the podcast probably. So it's nice to have a background of, you know, where I came from or what's happened. And it's kind of funny because I'm looking at these three things and they've all happened sort of more so in the last five years or so of my life, I'd say. They all like bundle up in that respect one which I mentioned before chronic fatigue syndrome it's the whole Capricorn overworking so I let's start at the beginning I used to work many jobs again my mom just like so like wow she was never that one that mother that really bought me much materialistic things not that she couldn't afford it or anything like that it was just like if you want it then work for it that's this this is my money find your money to buy it and like from such a young age I remember when I was getting like pocket money and working my ass off for these like two dollars she literally had a money box for me because she was teaching me how to save and it's really come in handy and but I had two money boxes I had just the normal one like any child has and I had one in the shape of a house I'm like eight right and half of my salary, by salary, I mean like my um, money, my chore money had to go into my house that you couldn't touch. And half had went into the money box, which I also really didn't touch till I had something I really wanted to buy. It wasn't like I'm going to take $2 and go buy a chocolate bar. It was like find a goal, find something that you want and then save up and earn for it. Obviously, I probably earned $20 in that house fund over time, but that was something and that was more than anyone else had to buy the house. I don't have a house right now, but it taught me a lot that there are things that are really important and you need to start saving from an early young age. My first real job, besides being on a payroll, was dog walking and Again, it came down to I wanted a camera and this is, you know, I was like, what, nine, ten and digital cameras had just come on the market. I'm not that old. I'm 25. But still, 15 years ago, we were still using a Kodak, like, you know, take a Kodak and go get the film developed. And this Olympus cost $320. I remember it was like one megapixel optical zoom. But, you know, that was pretty cool. And I didn't have money. So my friend was over, we went onto the computer, I probably went onto clip art or something stupid like that, made up a flyer of my beautiful dog walking skills, I didn't have a dog or anything, I loved dogs, um, and I was like, I put down as the price $60 a walk, now I understand if a celebrity dog walker charges $60, but a 10 year old who has no experience, who's planning to walk around the block does not deserve to earn $60 a walk. Nonetheless, I printed about 100 copies and I just started roaming the streets because things were safer then and you could, but I wasn't allowed to. So my mom found me like halfway down the street and got in trouble and she was like, what is this? And she's like, yeah, no, 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 not $60. Somehow she convinced me to bring my price down to $1.50. I don't know what a percentage drop that is, but it feels like beyond 100%. And we, she was like teaching me to be frugal and things like that. So she's like, we're not going to drop it at every house. Cause we, I was always a very active kid. She taught me that, like that was instilled in me, health and fitness. So we'd go for walks around the block and the area regularly, just, you know, for overall health and well being, and, you know, get some fresh air. So we knew all the houses around the area that had dogs. And she's like, there is no point putting these flyers in mailboxes that don't have dogs. So we'll walk around, we'll find a dog bark. We'll put it in the mailbox. That's what I did. Didn't get a call. 
one month later, the local church up the road called and I started walking their dog twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays at 4 p.m. And on my first walk, I got a pay rise. I got $2. And from then on, for like five years or something, yeah, I was like till I was about 15, 16, I was walking this dog for like $2. And you know what? I bought that camera and I bought a lot of other stuff. And so things like that is really cool. After that, I worked at KFC and I hated it. I so hated that job, but that was my first real, real job. I was like 16. I burnt myself. I just, I'm just so, I'm, I'm just a clumsy person and uncoordinated. So I would I, like burn myself every single shift. I just like scars like all over my body and it was disgusting. There was one time for the first time they let me put the gravy from the hot pot into those plastic containers. Side note, don't ever buy that gravy. It's so gross. But because I know what's in it, you don't want to know. And I don't know if I got distracted or what. I did like one part and I was like, I'm acing this. I don't have to serve. I don't have to talk to anyone because everyone here sucks. And then the next group spilled it all over my forearm and I had to go straight to the emergency room and yeah so that didn't end very well um but finally quit and that took about a year to get the confidence just to quit I mean I just go in because I couldn't quit and then after that I was doing babysitting I was tutoring working at a bar I was a sports coach I was working my blog YouTube going to uni all of it like at the same time like I've always just been everything like to even today I have a full-time job and then I have all these other jobs because I just don't know how to not to so fast forward I've come to the U.S. a few times my first time was in 2013 and one of the more recent times which was it was literally about this time in 2016 so three years ago I came here and I had been working via correspondence with a few people so I'd made friends and I'd met them before and this was a second visit because I was like obsessed and I was just like happy and they were my friends now anyway I went on this horrible date And long story short, this guy gave me mono. Um, If you're from Australia, that's glandular fever, aka high school kissing disease, which I did not get in high school. I got very well out of high school. So yeah, (laughs) I went home and everyone was like, you're just jet lagged. You're just jet lagged because I just couldn't get out of bed. I was just sleeping. And I was like, I'm not jet lagged. I don't get jet lagged because I'm just like a hard. I just never stop. And I that was always my thing. I just don't get jet lagged. I was fine. And I got, I was like, I swear, I, I, I really feel it. I just know I have glandular fever right now. Went to the doctor, got all the tests and they're like, yeah, you got it. I was literally, I had it really bad. It was diagnosed in late December and I pretty much stayed in bed till March. <laughs> and you know, honestly, if it was, if I was to get glandular fever at any time in my life, that was the best time because I had the ability to stay in bed. Uni was more or less finished. I didn't have a full-time job. Um, I was working retail at this kid's store, Pumpkin Patch, if you remember it, if you're from Australia it was like the time they were closing down so things were you know really chill yeah so that happened and then this is March 2017 now I went to Hawaii I was feeling a lot better not 100% I was still like sleeping every day having a little nap here and there and my cousin's wedding was in Hawaii it was the first time I was like pretty much out of my own bed feeling great doing things then my mom was like, dude, you're fine. You gotta get to work. You're just in denial. You can't just like live your life sleeping in bed all day. 
and she was like really pushing me to get a job and I was like putting it off and it was a whole thing and then I got a at the same time I got a message on LinkedIn from my old boss at Daily Mail and she was she offered me a job I did the writing test I did tests I didn't just like get it on the spot but yeah she offered me the job and on the 8th of May 2017 I just re- I'm a I'm a date person by the way I remember dates I got the I started working at Daily Mail if you're out there and you've started full-time work I'm sure you can recall the time that changeover from when you were doing your other job or maybe not even a job to full-time work it's insane it's intense like going from whether it be retail because don't put don't put I'm not saying put I'm not putting retail down because retail is one of the hardest jobs in the world and I think everyone needs to do it at some point in their life even just for a bit of appreciation for when you're at the shop it's like buying something like what they have to go through it's like it's ridiculous and but it was really hard for me and besides the whole now you're doing five days a week that you've never done in your life I was still getting over the glandular fever and at Daily Mail, we do night shifts. So my schedule was all messed up and fucked up. I didn't, I didn't have a routine. I didn't have anything anymore. I was exhausted. I would be doing like night shifts, uh, 5 PM to 2 AM. And then like a day and a half later, you're doing a day shift again, which is like 8 AM or like 7 AM start. And it would just, it just got so crazy. And I was, I was literally, it was pretty much the first time I was experiencing like anxiety, like I was having panic attacks, like I was just crying because I was just sleep deprived and tired and I have insomnia as well as feeling always tired, which doesn't make sense, but I always struggle to get to sleep. So I'm already exhausted because I'm tired. Plus I have like chronic fatigue and I'm you know, have mono. So I'm tired, but I'm not sleeping. I'm sleeping like three hours. It was a whole thing. And it took me like probably about nine months into that to even have the courage to go to my boss and be like, hi, I'm struggling because I don't, that is my one thing. I don't do confrontation. And obviously this is not even, everyone was trying to tell me this is not confrontation. You are literally talking about a health issue because I was like, I don't want to be treated like, you know, differently or I don't want people to think, oh, why isn't she doing as many night shifts or something like that? I don't want to be, I don't mind being center for attention. I'm not, I'm not trying to be vain or anything. I'm just saying it. I'm not shy of that. But when center of attention is on me because I'm getting special treatment, I'm not okay with that. So I finally did tell her and I had started seeing a naturopath as well because I'm into that holistic health if you can and I did an he had made me do an adrenal test and that tests your chronic fatigue and things like that and the test found that I was waking up with the energy of someone a normal person going to sleep so if you think about you're in bed you're kind of dozing off nearly about to fall asleep that's the energy I was waking up with after a full night's sleep so that's a bit fucked up so I was taking a lot of stuff and but she was so understanding and because I was so nervous about this meeting like I literally scheduled it into my calendar well my friends did like a month before she's like they were like okay so on this date you're gonna draft the letter then this date you're gonna press send on the email and I swear to god that was probably the scariest thing I've ever done in my life I've jumped I've jumped out of a plane and I'm fine with that sort of things but sending an email to be the email didn't even say anything the email was literally like hi can I talk to you like can we can I see like when I come into work tomorrow can we have a chat like that was the email did not say anything in it 
Anyway, so I finally did talk to her and she was like, you don't have to be scared of me when, cause she was cl- could clearly see I was having like a panic attack when we were talking and I wanted to say so badly, I'm not scared of you. I'm just scared of confrontation and having meetings like this. But she was so understanding, so nice. They were very accommodating to me. And my shifts changed from two weeks of nights, two weeks days to one week of nights and three weeks of days. And the nights was 3 p.m. to 12 a.m. So that was much better. And then I moved to the L.A. office and they didn't know anything about it, although the shifts are very different here. So the latest shifts are usually if you're doing night shift, you're usually doing 3 p.m. to 12 a.m., which was the good one that I was doing in Sydney. Um, however, however, Sydney was very good with schedules in terms of one week like nights, three weeks day. Like that is just the rotation. You knew your days off. Like that was how it is. Here in LA, it's a little bit more messy. You could be doing a night shift and then be in like seven in the morning and you're just always jet lagged. It's just crazy. Um, again, it took me like nine months to have the courage to bring the issue up because I was struggling again and the same sort of symptoms and I wasn't seeing a naturopath because I just moved here. I didn't have anyone and they were very understanding. It took them till like March this year, but since March, touch wood, I'm into touching wood. I (laughs) have been very grateful and I've just been doing day shifts and it's helped a lot. My chronic fatigue is still crazy, but it's helped a lot. So yeah, if you haven't realized I'm a journalist, I specialize in entertainment, but I didn't always want to do journalism. So this is the second point, by the way. I wanted to work in health. Like I mentioned briefly briefly before, I was very into health and fitness, very fitness lifestyle driven. Sport was like my thing at school. Every day from like the age of probably like eight or seven or something like that, I'd get up before school, like 4.30 in the morning. My mom would take me swimming or training of some sort and I'd come home. And I'd have like a 26 minute or something turn around before I had to jump on the train to get to school and I'd make it and be fine. And it taught me a lot about being organized. And that's where I get it from for sure. And then afternoons after school was more training, always a different sport. Initially, the ideally, I wanted to be an Olympian. I'm laughing at it now because I'm just so unco, but... I still have that dream. It, obviously, it's a dream. It's not a goal. And But I soon learned soon after when I was swimming, I was like, I, I can't sustain this. I'm not going to be an Olympian. Backstroke was my stroke, but it was just not going to happen. So I still kept training with the people because I'm a social butterfly and I went for the social aspect more so. And I think that's really nice to look back on because obviously I was young and magazines like things are a bit better when people talk about how photoshopped or airbrushed or things how things were like that but I never was so I didn't feel it like when I would look at things I was not like oh I want to be skinny like her and you know I can't talk forever I can just talk for myself I didn't have issues with you know white I was like a steady weight steady size and yeah I played a lot of sport and I ate pretty healthily but it was never like oh I haven't trained today I can't eat this it was like if I want pasta I'm gonna eat pasta because I want pasta it was more I'm training because I love it so I think that's really a cool way to look at things that it was just such a good experience for me like health and fitness it was never like I've got to do this because of this sort of thing but yes I was had a really positive experience with health and so my career I wanted to be a physio for a very long time and till the last year of school year 12 I got a frozen shoulder so I was like 
just about to turn 17 I think it was it was the summertime it was January just before my birthday I I was learning to drive and I woke up one morning and I just couldn't move my left arm like pretty much anything and the most it could ever do was to 90 degrees like I could just lift up straight and I was learning drive I was driving to swimming it was like you know five in the morning mom was like as she does because she's a parent of a teen trying to drive she's like put your arm back up to you know the 10 and 2 position or whatever she said I was like I can't like I don't know it wasn't that painful it didn't really hurt it was just like I just can't move it it was just kind of it was I think it was a bit painful that day but it was like I just don't know why just I was like I don't know didn't think much of it but then I got it become became an issue when it just wouldn't move and it didn't move for four months and I went to many physios and all of that. And that's really what put me off being a physio. There was one in particular and she was, and I really emphasize was, and this is clearly why, because maybe she's just not a good person or a good physio. She was the physio of one of my favorite sport teams. She used to be the physio for the Dragons and George Dragons there in NRL team. And I went there and she pretty much told me to my face, this is all in your head. You're doing this for attention. You just need to rewire your brain. Like literally what she said outright to me and my mom. I was like, and then it got me questioning, like, am I doing it for attention? Like, can I move my arm? Like, and she literally just would take the money and she'd make me play this stupid computer game, which was to rewire my stupid brain. And it would be a picture of like a hand that was like flipped or like posed in a weird way. And I had to determine, was that the left hand or is that the right hand? I kid you not. Like I'm not even exaggerating. I wish I was, but pretty much I got turned off being a physio after that. And I did have a frozen shoulder and it took me till April to go and see an orthopedic surgeon. He was a, he was the father of my friend. Finally went to him and he looked at it. I did a little test like for two minutes and he was like, yeah, it's frozen and you need to be in surgery tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. And I was like, but I have camp tomorrow and I had school camp. It was year 12 camp. I'm, I'm still upset I missed out on year 12 camp because I'm into that sort of, I love the whole rough and like lifestyle cabin, whatever. I'm pretty rough and tough. He's like, yeah, you can't go to camp. You need to be in surgery tomorrow morning. Actually, he's a guy, so he didn't talk like that. But you know what I mean. Anyway, so I finished school. Didn't know what to do. The careers counselor was shit too. She asked me what my dream job was. I said to work in radio because it always was and to podcast. <laughs> I love it. And somehow we still kept talking about health. And it's not just her fault. Obviously, I didn't even catch on to that either. That shouldn't you, if that's your dream job, shouldn't you like follow in that sort of path? I didn't. So, yeah, so then I I went and down the health path, hated it. That's another story for another day. And after coming to the US, deferring uni, traveling for like seven months and not wanting to go back and having a meltdown about it, I was like, well, then why are you doing it? And I, I was, you know what it was? I was, I, firstly, I never thought of moving courses because the year before when we were still in school, my friend's sister was a year above us and she was in uni and she had changed courses. And I told my mom, and I swear to God, she says no. She says no to this, but I kid you not. She was like, yeah, you're not going to do that. And so then it was always in my brain that what you start, you finish. And that was very much, that's still her mantra. Like, and you start a project, you finish the project, you drive to A, you come home from A, you know, you open the door, you close the door. So 
I never had the, it was just never an option for me to change. I was studying to be a, either a physio or a speech pathologist. I ended up after the whole um, physio situation, I ended up moving into speech and did half the course. <laughs> but then I was like, yeah, I'm out. And I moved to media and journalism and I loved it. Hated uni still. Uni didn't change much. It was much better. It was much better. And don't get me wrong, I made great friends in both unis that I'm still really close with today. So that's always a plus. Again, that whole social butterfly. That's why I go to school. It's a, I loved school. I really did love school, even though it was like average and loved school. And it was the social thing. Uni, meh. So that brings me in to the third topic. I have been to jail overnight in the United States, handcuffed in with murderers, not just like a holding cell. Like I've been to jail. I was 19 and that happened on that first trip to the United States of America. Yeah. So with that whole, I'm in the wrong course, I hate uni, I plan to defer. And I was like, I'm going to go work on a summer camp. And then I was like, well, I'm going to miss uni anyway, so I might as well travel around. So I left for seven months and did the whole work cam honestly was the best experience of my life honestly the best I was in Minnesota camp sinking hills it was a girl scout camp we had I had the, I made the best friends like oh I, I can't speak more highly of anyone ever thinking of doing a summer camp working on one Th- that is the way to go if you're fine with you know sleeping in cabins and roughing it and you know weird shit like that like being dirty and and having to like work pretty much 24 7 it's really really challenging but it's the best thing you'll ever do for yourself and after that I traveled around so I had two visas everything was fine I had the working one fine and then I had a travel one that lasted a year so that was totally fine too I started working finished working started traveling around and it's interesting in retrospect there were a few occasions where I look back and I really should have been arrested and deported at that point but I wasn't so I was very lucky one in particular was um, a border cross in Texas and thank god I wasn't because my mom was actually at the same time I was you know driving through there she was flying up to see me for the first time out in months so I was could have very much been um, sent home while she was coming up so what really did happen I made it all the way up to Seattle. That's I have some family up there. So I stayed up there for like a month and a half or so. And over the Christmas break, they wanted to go overseas to Israel to visit someone. Not Jewish or anything, but, you know, a great experience. So we went over and the whole plan, I think we were supposed to come back on the second. And I was literally flying out of the out of my whole trip, seven months done, like four days later or something like that. We went over, no worries, came home, they're all TSA approved, they're American, so they obviously were fast-tracked. I had to go through actual immigration, security, and they were like, we'll meet you down in baggage. I never made it to baggage to this day. I've never made it to baggage in that place. And that was because they told me, you need to come with us to this special room. I went there and there was, it was weird. I was like confused, no phones allowed. Yet I texted like my cousin who was waiting at bags and my aunt. I was like, oh, I don't know. I'm just like stuck in this room. Sorry, I'll be out soon. They had a driver already waiting. And I was texting my mom because I was bored and I was like, haha, I'm in airport jail. Like I, it was literally a joke. And I texted my cousin that too. 
um, lo and behold, I literally was in airport jail. And turns out when you travel to the US and I kid you not, it's still not on the websites. It's still not anywhere. You won't know this until unless you know someone who this has happened to or you just know this and someone happened to tell you, you cannot have two visas coming into the US. You can but they're not both activated. My working one was activated, but my travel one wasn't. To activate the travel one, I had to have left the country and re-entered. Now, ironically, I went to Canada with my friends from summer camp and I literally, the border was like a hundred meters away and I didn't cross it because I was like, that's so lame. Like, what am I going to do? Just be like, oh, I went to Canada and just like step on a border. I was like, let's just whatever. Let's go. So we left. If I had literally just crossed the border with my stupid passport, they would have stamped it. None of this would have happened, but I didn't know. So why wouldn't, why would I? So I ended up being like they were like you have to be deported and you know and they claimed I quote and quote jail is it is they didn't say jail but it is the safest place for you because the new flight was until the next day now when you're being deported from somewhere you actually can't fly interstate so if I was being deported from LA I wouldn't have had a problem because there are direct flights back home and I would have brought my flight you know forward and just paid like you know the $300 whatever it is fee to change the date no issue. I was in Seattle and I couldn't go to LA because you can't transfer. They wouldn't let me go to Mexico. They wouldn't let me go to Canada. So I had to fly out to Korea before I came back home. Like I had to find an alternate route, a route internationally to go home, which was ridiculous you're supposed to go back to the place that sent you there so we had a stopover in Germany so I was supposed to go to Germany but my aunt was like that's just not gonna happen like this is just so fucked up so I went to Korea then I went from Korea to Brisbane from Brisbane to Sydney so it was like a whole day but it was fine at the nighttime I had to go to jail and I was really excited because I got to say I'm going to I'm going to jail with no criminal history, no charge. So it was all fine. I had the interview before. They knew it was all a misunderstanding. I wasn't malicious or anything. And I forfeited my passport, all good, and the visa. And so they're like, yeah, we're not going to charge you, but you've got to be deported and you can't stay here because it's not a 24-hour airport. So yeah, I went to jail. I was put in a cell by myself to begin with. And... um. I had to get changed at some point and I wore a yellow jumpsuit because yellow is level one, blue is level two and orange is level three. There were level threes next door. I swear to God, they were murderers. They were just looking at me with those eyes. I was like, okay. I'm like, okay. And I I was really excited. Like I said, I was so pumped to go to jail, but I cannot express. And that was all fine. And when I walked in, So I was in this police escort like van and there was a guy like who was also going to jail with me from Germany and he was screaming the whole time and I was like okay and I was like crouched in the back of this like it was so tiny this little space and I'm not a big person I'm five foot I couldn't fit in it right and we got there and Taylor Swift was playing on the radio red and I was like it's gonna be fine if Taylor's on the radio this is gonna be fine and the lady I swear like the one that took me from airport to jail the nicest she even like made me a lasagna like she got me a frozen lasagna from the airport and heated it up for me it was like she was the nicest I can't remember her name I I have the paperwork so I'll be able to find her if I ever meet her one day like oh the nicest lady and the staff in jail was so nice I can't talk more highly the only thing is it was jail so 
as much as I was excited and like fine with the idea of it, I wasn't crying and or anything. My mom knew about it. I had told her, I told my friend because I couldn't get in contact with my mom. I was like, where is my mother? Find my mother. And it was all fine. But then when you walk inside that cell and then they lock the door, that was when it really hit me because, you know, you lock yourself in a room, like you lock the doors, you're safe, whatever. But I have the option to open it. But I didn't have an option. You don't have an option to open the door in jail. They have the key on the outside and there's no escaping. And it's like, a, it's a weird feeling. It was, it was so weird because it was like, I have done, like, obviously on paper, I've done something wrong, but I have not done anything wrong. I'm not an actual criminal here, but I have to be treated like one because I'm in jail. Fast forward, I'll go into another day, but um, leaving the jail was not the same nice lady to who dropped me there because she was off. It wasn't her shift. And I got handcuffed all the way back to the police station and put in that van again with the handcuffs. And can I just tell you, handcuffs hurt so much and they're heavy and they're tight. And I had bruises on my wrists for weeks. Like it was, it's not nice. But yeah, so it was it was a very weird situation and I never thought I would be able to get a green card or let alone a visa again. Thankfully, I did get a few visas, a few visas. I can't get like the S to travel one like everyone else can. I have to get like the professional ones because they have to test me. And even now I have a green card. Every time I come to the States, I enter, I have to go into the airport jail again and sit there and have to be interviewed. It's it's the same thing, but that's okay. I have a green card now. I won it through the lottery system, which is insane. And I'm so grateful for that. And I can't believe they let me do it because of my history. But I've been living here since April 2018 and I love it. I don't have plans to move back anytime soon, even though I miss home not because I don't have emotions not like you know physically missed but I just I like going back I've only been back once so those are my three long facts or whatever I've already taped a few of the episodes I really think you're gonna like this podcast because no topic is off limits everything that's taboo I want to talk about do I swear I'm sure you've heard me already it's I swear because that's real it's a raw space it's a safe space um that's just how I talk and I don't want to edit anything, not because I'm lazy, because I'm not lazy and not because I have chronic fatigue and like a billion other things I have to do. It's just because I want this to be as raw as possible and I want it to be a conversation. And yeah, I, I'm going to have my friends on here, like I said, because I want to not that they're not inspirational and they get their own like, you know, then not like they're influential and I need to have them as like a topic or whatever. But I want to also have topics that are in the media about millennials and just discuss it like we would normally do and just have like a conversation about it um so stay tuned for this episodes will drop every monday morning rise and shine i'm actually not gonna ever sing again because i can't and kylie jenner will probably send a lawsuit against me so i'm not gonna say that but that's just gonna how it's gonna be so please 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 subscribe as well on whatever platform you're listening on and add a review because that's what they all say and so I'm sure it helps in some way shape or form and definitely follow the socials so at millennials talk podcast on instagram or you can go at millennials talk on facebook I'm gonna start a little community there a little family and you can follow me if you want that'd be cool too at anita katie on instagram twitter and youtube um, so A-N-N-I-T-A-K-A-T-E-E because along with the superstitions comes numerology and Anita with one N and Katie with one E would not 
suffice number wise so we have doubles in everything and all this stuff will be in the show notes below for your convenience so sit back relax because millennials are you ready to talk